This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Talk to you about living above ordinary. And you know, the, the first step to living above ordinary is learning to be still. Sometimes it's kind of hard to be still, isn't it? So we have to learn, and and I want to challenge you to discover solitude. These things will help us live above ordinary, you know, extraordinary, if if you would. But let's go ahead and move on here. And then um, as we're reading Psalms 46, verse uh, 1 and 2, this was written during very turbulent times in Israel. And it says here, Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength. He's our refuge. You know, that's that shelter, and he is our strength. Always. Always. And what percentage is always? 100%. It's 100%. God is our refuge and our strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. He's always, 100% of the time, God is ready to help us in times of trouble. And then he goes over to say in verse 2. So we will not fear <clears throat> when earthquakes come. And, and, and isn't it a tendency to be fearful when an earthquake comes? If all of a sudden the, the earth was shaking right here, pieces of a uh, you know, wall were falling down and cracks were running up and down the road, wouldn't it be a temptation to be fearful? Mm-hmm. I think it would be. And he says, so we will not fear. When earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Psalm 46 verse 8 in the Amplified says, Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has brought desolations and wonders on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow into pieces and snaps the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. He says to you and me, and this is profound. I don't know if it really registers yet with you, but God says, be still. And know that I am God. In order to know God, you've got to do what? Be still. Be still. And we'll discover what he's talking about here. But he says, be still and know that I am am God and and God will be your refuge and he will be your strength but only if you stop long enough to listen you think about it, you only stop long enough just to, to hear what he's saying to us he says be still and and know that I am God in the amplified bible it says be still and know recognize be still and know, recognize, understand that I'm God. Because a lot of people don't recognize God. They don't recognize he's, he's, he's around. You know, they, they don't understand how God is and, and, and how he does things and all. But he says, be still and know, recognize and understand. That I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. 
The Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of hosts is with us. Although many people are not aware that God's with us. They're unaware that God, he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. A lot of people are, are not aware that God's with us. And they're not aware that God says he'll always be there 100% of the time to help you in times of trouble. But a lot of people are not aware of that. But I, I believe that that can change. And I believe it, it will change in our own lives. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold, our refuge, our high tower. Our high tower. That refuge you were talking about. And I can see that he, he's our mountain, if you would. And, and then, then it, it says, Selah, which means to pause, means, to think about it. To means be still. Think about still. it, you know. Rehash that over again and again. Now, once upon a time, let me see here. Once upon a time, I shared some thoughts along this line. <laughs> Now, this is you. And this is you, too. Because you've got different shapes of you, right? You ever get a bunch of stuff going on in your life? Yes. How many of you have got some kind of stuff in your life? You got some stuff going on in your life? So, what I'd like to do... This is you, and here's your stuff. What did you say? I will not wear stuff. <laughs> sometimes we have a lot more stuff than that, and and sometimes. We, we, and I'll have to explain this to you. Sometimes we, we have a, would you like to sample this? No, thank you. <laughs> this is some stuff in your life too. in the kitchen downstairs last night I needed some water for my object lesson and I was trying to find something to carry it in so if you had a gallon of water downstairs and you can't find it I got it (laughs) but when I opened it last night I bopped this thing and the water started pouring all over the floor as I was bringing it upstairs but I'll replace it if this happens to be yours. Yeah, that's what happened last night. Accidentally.
down there. Now, this right here is stuff in your life. Doesn't that look interesting? <clears throat> and you know what? <clears throat> the stuff in our lives just constantly gets stirred up. Have you had stuff that's come into your life and then it just gets stirred up? Now, and you're like, man, I just don't know what to do. And sometimes you find that, can you see the light through there? Can you see the light through there? Yes. Now, you got to understand that this dirt is really dirt. Like this dirt. But this dirt here has had an opportunity to be still. I, I, I actually use this a lot longer and let it be still and let the stuff settle in it. And then I skimmed off a lot of the stuff. But I let it just be still. And, and you understand when it's still, things can settle, right? And all. So this is, this is representing our lives here. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if, you know, all the stuff in your life has, has blocked things and you don't have really much clarity. You can't see things really the way they are. Or maybe you have let some things settle and there's a little bit more clarity in your life. Anyhow, let me see, where was I at? Uh, there's a, a book I, I read and a preacher I heard uh, a few years ago. And he was going to work at another church to be the teaching pastor there, a church of like 21,000 members, you know. And he and his family went there, but he got on the phone and he called a friend of his, an older pastor, and he was asking the pastor, he said, can you advise me? Can you give me some advice how just to keep things in the right perspective as I'm here and I'm very, 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 very busy. And the pastor thought about it for a few moments and then he said, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And so the young pastor, he wrote all that down and said, okay, got that. Now what? The older pastor kind of chewed on for just a moment and said, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Yeah, I already got that. You know, he was was wanting something else. The older pastor said, ruthlessly do you understand ruthlessly? With Ruthless, ten- huh? With tenacity. Tenacity? I mean, it's just like, you know, we're just going to cut this to the bone here. Whatever it takes, we're going to go beyond the call of duty. You know, ruthlessly eliminate hurry. I mean, all that rush, 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 rush. Haste, 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 haste. And you probably heard of a, an old statement that haste... Uh, Makes waste. I believe there's a lot of truth in that. But he said, ruthlessly eliminate... Hurry from your life. And, and that's some really, really good advice. And hopefully we'll connect with this and God will speak something to each of our hearts as we study this together right now. And it says here in Psalm 46, verse 11, and, and this is in the Message Bible. I really like this in here in the Message Translation. Step out of the traffic. Uh, hold on. He, Anybody here ever have to deal with traffic? Going to work, coming home from work? At some point in time, you know, it's like, 
There's people <laughs> squalling tires, cutting you off, you know, waiting in great big long lines, you know, sunshine in your eyes. You know, traffic, traffic, traffic. And I don't think anybody really, really loves traffic. But he says here, step out of the traffic. Step out of all of the, the rush and, and the haste and step out of all of the, the commotion. And he says, take a long, loving look at me. Your high God. He's talking, he says, I want y'all to step out of the traffic. And I want you to take a long, loving look at me. And then he says, I'm your high God. That's what he's telling us here. High God. He's, the Bible says he's the most high. Mm-hmm. He is the almighty. He is the highest. So he says here, step out of the traffic and take a long, loving look at me. This is what God is speaking to you and me. This is relevant. Uh, this, this is for us. And take a long, loving look at me, your high God. Above politics. Can you imagine that God thinks that he's more important than politics? Yes. Amen. I mean, how many hours of politics would you need to watch in order for it to get you to heaven? None. I don't think it ever gets you there, to be honest with you. And some people, though, they can't wait to get home to turn on that news and and start checking out the political system that's around about us. You know, and and maybe there's a real temptation to... Just to, to be nosy and find find out what everybody's doing, what everybody's believing, and, and all the gossip of politics getting caught up on all that. But God says, step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above. I mean, higher up above politics. Uh, higher up above, what's that say there? Everything. What, what percentage is everything? 100%. High God is more important and he's higher up than everything else on this planet. And he's telling us to step out of the traffic and take a long, loving look at him. He who created us, he put us here, and he says he'll be there 100% of the time for us in our times of trouble. That's what he says that he will do for us. That's that's his promise. And there's an old song and it goes kind of like this. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, you are more than enough for me. Jehovah Rapha, and that means healer. You're my healer. By your stripes I have been set free. Jehovah Shammah, you are with me, and you supply all my needs. You're more than enough. You're more than enough. You're more than enough enough for me. He's the Almighty. And you think about it, 
God is more than enough for you. Whatever your difficulties, whatever your problems are, God's more than enough. More than 100%. More than 100%. You're exactly right. He is more. And he can help in every situation of our lives. That's just the way it is. That's what he has promised for us, that he's more than enough. Now, have you ever heard the, 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 the musical composition titled 433? If that's you, just raise your hand. You, you familiar with that? Well, I was going to act it out this morning, but we have a baptism, so we'll try to speed up the process here. But imagine this. A tuxedoed man, and I couldn't do this because I don't have a tuxedo, you know. But a tuxedoed man, he, he comes on stage and he sits at the grand piano and he opens the lid and occasionally he turns some sheet music and he's flipping pages and he's, he's turning some, you know, sheet music. But then, you know, he sits as quietly as possible for four minutes and 33 seconds. And then he rises and he takes a bow and then he leaves. And that's it. I could play that. I know. You know? And, and, and we often would look at this guy. He didn't make a noise when he got up there. Not a single noise. And he sat there for four minutes and 33 seconds. He went to a couple of preliminaries, getting his music out there. And he sat in total... A, a quiet, you know, there. And we often think that, oh man, what a waste. This guy's got musical talents. He's got instruments and all. What a, what a shame. What a waste just to be quiet and all. And I began to look it up in uh, the dictionaries and all and found out that music consists of musical notes, specific pitches sounded for a particular length of time. But in addition to notes, music includes another essential element. Music includes silence. Composers, arrangers, and performers refer to this silence as a musical rest. A rest refers to an interval of time that a player is not sounding a note on their instrument. Music rests abound throughout all styles of music, contributing to memorable melodies and rhythms. A rest is a musical notation sign that indicates the absence of sound. Solitude. A musical rest enhances tremendously the, the, the music that you're listening to. To have a rest where there's Moments of silence, it adds so much value to the song or the pieces being played, you know? And man cannot, you know, long survive here on this earth without air. That's pretty much agreed upon, right? Yep. If you disagree, we'll just see how long you can hold your breath. You might need to do that, or you kind of already know that you need air. Okay, so you can't survive for very long without air. And you can't survive very long without water. And to be honest with you, you can't survive very long without sleep. And, and the next in importance is you can't survive very long without food. And it's 11.45 right now. 
And you know how long you can go without food, you know? And anyhow, and close on the heels of the food, you cannot survive very long without solitude. Interesting. Interesting. Think about that for a moment. And let's look here again at Psalms 46, verse 10 and 11 in the Amplified Bible. Be still and know. Recognize, understand that I'm God. He says, be still. Now this is you. He says, I want you to be still. You know what it looks like when you're not still? You're just stirring things up. Just stirring things up that's in your life. You've always got something stirring up. Just going on about this and going on about that. Just always stirring things up. But he says, be still. And know. God's wanting you to understand. He wants you to become very keenly aware of this. That he's with you. And, and he will bring clarity into your life. And decisions you need to make. All kinds of things going on in your life. And he will bring clarity and help you to see through all the, the muddiness if you'll just be still. Just slow down and step out of the traffic, out of the hustle and the bustle and the business. Just slow down a little bit. In uh, this whole world we live in, there's a tendency to get so preoccupied with just moving and moving and moving and stuff, you know. See, solitude, it enables us to deal with stress. And anxiety. You ever have to deal with stress or anxiety? Well, solitude will help you greatly. It's in solitude that God delivers us his best thoughts during solitude. And our minds need to be still and quiet to receive those thoughts. So says Charles Swindle, you know. Someone has said that three words can summarize how most of us spend our lives. Hurry. Worrying and scurrying. That kind of describes a lot of people's lives, you know. Is that you? But God says, be still. And a lot of the things that would confuse you and muddy up your lives and, and mess your, up your wisdom and decisions that you need to make and, and all is, is just keeping things stirred up. And he says, be still. And know that I am God. And he's always revealing himself to us, bringing about transformation into our lives. Because God loves us and he put us here. And he's got a purpose and he's got a plan for our lives. Now, Brother John, he entered the monastery of silence. And the head priest said, Brother, this is a silent monastery and you are welcome here as long as you like. But you may not speak until I direct you to do so. Brother John lived in the monastery for five years before the head priest said to him, Brother John, you've been here for five years now. You may speak two words. If it's been five years since you said anything, you might would choose those words, you know, with great wisdom. You'd chew it over a little bit, you know. So Brother John said, and he thought about it, he said, bed hard. That was all he had time to do. I'm sorry to hear that, the head priest said. We'll, we'll get you a better bed. After another five years, Brother John was called by the head priest. You may say 
Another two words, Brother John. Food cold. Okay? Said, so Brother John, you know, the head priest assured him, hey, the food's going to be better in the future. And on his 15th anniversary at the monastery, the chief priest again called Brother John into his office. Two words you may say today. And he considered his words, this is 15 years now. I quit. <laughs> and the head priest said, it's probably best. You've done nothing but complain since you got here. <laughs> well, that's the wrong kind of solitude. That's not the solitude I'm talking about of just biting your tongue and not saying anything, you know, for 15 years. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. Every character of great spiritual development in the Bible is marked by solitude. They were men and women of solitude. They, they understood this. Where God says it in multiple places, he says, be still and know that I am God. He's always trying to reveal himself and his purpose and his plan in our life, you know. Uh, loneliness is a inner emptiness. An inner emptiness. But solitude is an inner fulfillment. They look to the casual passerby as like the same thing. You know? But they're Completely different. Solitude is a state of mind and heart. You know. Uh, two people going in the, doing the, the exact same thing to the passerby, but two major different things are going on on the inside of them. A solitude brings about transformation. It brings about change. It genuinely does. Conversation enriches the understanding, but solitude is a school of genius, and it genuinely is. You'll be amazed at what God will reveal and the clarity he will give you in all areas of your life when we have some solitude and we choose to be still instead of always stirring things up, you know. Solitude is the Soul's best friend, so says Charles Cotton. Solitude makes us tougher toward ourselves, tender toward others. In both ways, it improves our character. How about that? Without solitude, it's virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. If you have no solitude, it's virtually impossible. To live a spiritual life. Luke chapter 4 verse 1. It says in Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. Left the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit to go out into the wilderness. To go into the wilderness. Boy that appeals to me. It, it really genuinely does. I mean that, that wilderness could have been a mountain. Uh, you know a. Uh, a desert kind of a place. I mean, it could have been, but whatever it was, it was a place of solitude where, where you're alone, you know. But he says, what again? Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan River. He was led by he was the Spirit. He was led 
by Holy Spirit, he was led by Holy Spirit to go out into the wilderness. Psalm 55, verse 6 and 7 says, Oh, how I wish I had wings like a dove. Then I would fly away and rest. Fly away and rest. You know, be, be still. So God challenged us to be, to be still and, and know that he is God, you know. I would fly far away to the quiet of the wilderness. Interlude, which means... There's something that's appealing in the wilderness when you can step out of just the, the traffic, all the commotion, the haste, and the busyness of life. There's something that appeals. You say, oh, man, wish I had wings like a dove and I could fly away and be at rest in a place like that. Luke 4, verse 14 says, And Jesus returned... In the power of the Spirit into Galilee. He returned from his time of solitude. Jesus returned. In the power power. of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And and this uh, solitude, it, it, it brought about power. And to be honest with you, you know, loneliness and solitude are very different from each other. Loneliness is defeat. Solitude is victory. I would say there's a a big difference between defeat and victory. Mm -hmm. And and God is beckoning us. He says, be still. He's talking about the solitude. Be still and, and know that I am God. Understand me and my ways and what I've created you for, and I'll impart to you the wisdom that you need for every area of your life. But he says, be still. And to have solitude is completely, completely different. Solitude is victory. Just being lonely, that's defeat, you know. Loneliness expresses the pain of being alone. And solitude expresses the glory of being alone. There's a major difference going on here. You know what I'm talking about, you know. And it's, what's the state of your mind and and your heart? Shakespeare, Leonardo da Vinci, Benjamin Franklin, Abraham Lincoln were not afraid of being alone. They knew that was when the creative mood in them would work. And you know what? If, If your work involves study or you're an artist, or a musician, and you know that solitude gives an opportunity for creativity to to really move about in your life. Genuinely does. There are three qualities vital to success. Toil, which is hard work, solitude, and prayer. And it tells us here, after Jesus had multiplied the fish and the bread and he fed 5,000 men, Plus, he fed all of their wives and all their children. It's probably around 15,000 people. And here, after Jesus worked such a miracle, in Matthew chapter 14, 23. Afterward, he went up into the hills by himself. He went there by himself. Sometimes we don't want to go somewhere unless we can take a crowd with us. You know? But it says that Jesus went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. He was there all by himself. Nobody else was there. You know, and and loneliness is, loneliness is is being unaware of God. 
You, you, you really feel like you're on your own. And he says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And he promises 100% of the time to be there even during troubled times. He'll be there to rescue you and to help you. And he never wants you to experience loneliness, but solitude is something completely different. In the book of John, chapter 16, verse 32, it says, but, when the time, but the time is coming. In fact, it is already here. When you will be scattered, each one going his own way. Jesus is talking to his followers, to his disciples. And he's saying this time is going to come when y'all are going to be scattered. You know, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Jesus said, y'all are going to be leaving me alone. Yet, Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. That's, that's solitude. He says, I am never alone because the Father is with me. And sometimes we just need to step out of the traffic. And, if, you know, if I see you and I'm driving down the road, you know, early one morning, and I, I, see, and I see your car, you pour it over on the median, you know, uh, and you pour it over into the grass and you're sitting there. And I pull over and go, are you guys okay? Are you broke down? No, we're, we're just practicing your sermon. <laughs> step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look toward God. Sometimes we need to do that. That's where our creativity is stirred. That's when things really become clear. And, and as much as we try to see, it's just like, it's just kind of hard to see through all that muck and, and mug that's in our life, you know? And sometimes we just need to be still and get clarity and wisdom and, and direction for ourselves. The reason there is no such, there is so much shallow living, much talk, but little obedience to God, is that so few are prepared to be like the small tree on the hilltop, alone in the wind with God. Now, I've got a little tree up on my mountain. I live on Ragged Mountain and on the top of the mountain there. There's a tree. It's growing in the rock right out there on the edge of the cliff. It's about 10 feet, maybe 12 feet from a 100-foot drop, you know. And the tree is about that big around. It's a cedar tree. And it grows up out of the rock. And it's about six and a half, maybe it's seven feet tall, you know, the little parts of it all up there. But you can go there, and it's facing out toward the, the cliff. It's such a wonderful place to back up into that tree. And the branches, it's got some pretty good, you know, arm-sized branches and then all the little stuff off of it. And it's just like these big old arms. And you can just back up into there and just sit down and you can almost feel hugged by that tree, you know. But it's not hugged by the tree. I'm talking about it. It's like feeling this close, wonderful relationship with the Almighty God, knowing that you are not alone. And we need to think about this and how this impacts our life. The, the soul that's been enriched by communion with God will not be disappointed by isolation. But will welcome solitude. He'll seek not the crowd. He'll seek not the crowd, but the closet. And emerging from the closet will never walk alone, for he has an unseen companionship. Are you constantly, consciously aware of 
this unseen companion that is with you. And you understand when you step out of the busyness of life and you step out of the traffic and you take a long loving look at he who created you, who loved you, who gave his life for you. You know, God is crazy about you. He genuinely is 100%. Matthew 15, verse 29. Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee and climbed a hill and sat down. He climbed a hill. I like verses like that, you know. He climbed a hill and he sat down. And you know what? There's lots of times we're, we're pretty busy. Are y'all pretty busy from time to time? Just life becomes very, very busy. In the, in the last three days, we've been, both of us, going in different directions, we've been very busy. It's good what, the things that we've done and involved in people's lives, but there becomes a very busyness about things. And, and sometimes it's hard to find that time for solitude. Do you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's, it's kind of hard to do that. And, you know, if you're waiting to find time for solitude, sometimes Jesus does not ever find it. Okay, you may be dismissed. No. Sometimes you won't find solitude, but you can make it. You can make solitude. You, you genuinely can. Anyhow, it says here, Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee and climbed a hill and sat down. That's solitude right there. But a vast crowd brought him, the lame, blind, crippled, mute, and many others with physical difficulties, and they laid them before Jesus, and he healed them all. What percentage is all? 100%. It says Jesus climbed the hill, and he sat down, and there was solitude. And, 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 and well, the Bible says, be still, that's solitude, and know that I am God. Know that I am the God who saves and who heals and provides and helps and all. He says, be still and know that I am God. That's what he tells us. And we see Jesus did that. And as he sat there, and he was all by himself. And then the crowd started coming. Vast crowds, it says. A vast crowd brought him the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others with physical difficulties. And they laid them before Jesus and he healed them all. Jesus was empowered by solitude. He was empowered to work all these miracles by spending time with his father. The crowd was amazed. Those who hadn't been able to speak were talking. The crippled were made well, and the lame were walking around. And those who had been blind could see again. And they praised the God of Israel. Luke chapter 22, verse 41. He walked away about a stone's throw, and knelt down and prayed. Here's solitude. So up on a mountain. He's praying right before he's going to be crucified, hanging out with his uh, you know, disciples and things like that. And he walked further away. The disciples were over there, but he got away from them and <clears throat> just had time alone. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will, not mine. He was saying, I, I know I'm here to die on the cross, to wash these people's sins away. But if there's any way for me to do that without having to be nailed to a cross, and then he said, come, I said, but not my will. I want your will, Father, to be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. 
And, and I love when I see this in the Bible. There's a strengthening angel that the Father God sent to his son Jesus. He, he had times of solitude with his father. And, and though he had tough times ahead of him, but that's what he went there for, there was a strengthening angel that was sent to him to strengthen him. And I know that we're created in the very image of, of Christ and we are supposed to be Christ-like. And God will send his angels to strengthen us for whatever is before us. And he'll bring clarity if we'll just be still and just know God. He, and it was God the Father who sent that strengthening angel. And the angel appeared before him. And then in Isaiah 30, verse 15, it says, In quietness and confidence is your strength. In quietness is not that you can talk yourself out of every little jam. It says, but it's in quietness. And confidence is your strength. That, that's that place of solitude. And we've developed a phobia of being alone. And prefer the most trivial, obnoxious company, the most meaningless activities compared to being alone with ourselves and, and God. We seem to be frightened at the prospect of just facing ourselves. You know, we like to have every knob in the house turned on, everything that will work and generate music and sound and talk and discussion and noise. We'll just turn everything on because we're all timid. Of being still. Because God will speak to you. He will reveal himself. He says be still and know that I'm God. I will, I will commune with you. And I will help you in your times of difficulty. That's what he's telling us. Those who love God should attempt to preserve or create the atmosphere in which God can be found. Christians should have quiet. Peaceful homes. Don't matter how big it is or what it looks like, but it should be quiet and peaceful. Where we can experience God in our own home or in parts of our home or you get out and you climb up the mountain, you know. I cannot be the man I should be without times of quietness. Stillness is an essential part of our growing deeper as we grow older, says Charles Swindle. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, This should be your ambition, to live a Here's quiet... a good ambition. You're looking for a good ambition to have for the rest of your life? This should be your ambition, to live a quiet life. To live... A quiet life where you're willing to step out of the traffic and take a long, loving look at the one who loves you so much. He's going to take care of you and help you in your times of difficulty. Minding your own business and working with your hands. Do you mind your own business? Don't answer that question. But you love people who mind their own business, you know? And he is telling us, this should be your ambition. Live a quiet life. And, and, and each one of us, God's telling us to mind our own business. Not just being a loud mouth and, and got to say something about everything and everybody. He, he, said, he said, be still. Don't be 
always stirring up something, you know? Don't always be stirring up something. But be still. And, and know that I'm God and, and, and you'll have clarity. You'll be able to see through the things that other people haven't been able to see through before, you know? Um, I told you all a while ago, it's, it's really hard to find time for, for solitude, isn't it? And so we got to make time. And I got a question here. It's like, how do we find time to eat? What would you say? We make it. We make it. Yeah. And it's 12.10 right now. That's close to lunchtime. You know? But, but we do make it. And how, how do we find time if there's a real special movie we want to watch? We make it, just as you said. And if, if there's a, uh, uh, some music we would like to hear, how do we find the time to, to hear that music? Well, we make it. How do we find time to... To entertain a friend or go out for a cup of coffee. We make it. We, we, we make it. That's what I'm talking about. And if you'll remember John and Charles Wesley, you know, uh, their mom's name was Susanna and she had 18 children. You think it might be difficult to find time for solitude if 18 little kids run around? And she would start her day and get them breakfast and she would set them about their particular chores and and all, or maybe some books and all she had. But there was a certain time of every day that Susanna Wesley would throw, and she always wore this great big old apron, she would throw this apron over her head. And Lord have mercy on the kid who bothered Mama when she was under her apron. Now she didn't have the privilege of having a ragged mountain to hike up on or other luxuries that we may have to find some solitude. But she had an apron and she sat in her little rocking chair and she covered herself with that apron for about an hour and that was her place to be still and to know that he is God and, and to have the energy and the wisdom to, to raise godly kids, pastors and, and to be able to meet the needs with 18 kids. But she made time. And an apron works okay, don't you think so? Yeah. If you just kind of set the rule in your house if you see mama under her apron, don't you dare bother her, you know. You know, and you made, made time. That's what I'm talking about here. And, you know, when we were in Bible school, and uh, we had a lot going on. We had just got married, and a month after we got married, we started Bible school together. And it took a full load, you know, and all the things that we were studying and all. And so, you know, it, I don't know if you ever found out that, that life sometimes can get interrupted, you know, it, it really can get interrupted. And that's what was happening there because we would get up and be at the uh, TV station at uh, 6.30 because there was a, a Christian program on us called Good Morning Jesus. And we had, Sue and I had volunteered to go down there and to be on the uh, telephones. And on this program that was an hour long, People would call in, and there was somebody there, and that was us, to pray for the people who had needs, or to pray for them to accept Christ, and so forth and all. And, and then we had school that started at 8 o'clock. And it was kind of tough. And to get up, you know, I mean, you'd be there at 6.30. For me to get up at 5.30, 
polish up some homework stuff that I hadn't have, had a chance to get all done and were, were newlyweds and, and all the things that we're doing, it's just kind of tough. You know, just to get up an hour early was tough for me. But God gave me the wisdom to make time. And I figured out how to make some time. In a couple of months, y'all come back, I'll tell you how I did it. <laughs> no, I'll tell you how I did it. God gave me this idea. And we lived on Franklin Avenue. And it was a big, old, old community. Big, old, massive trees. And the, the little roads were all paved down through there, you know. And it was for miles. And, and, all, and I'd get up, I decided I'm going to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'd get up at 3 o'clock, put my uh, jogging shorts on, a t-shirt, and I'd go out. And nobody was up and about at 3 o'clock in the morning, you know. And I would just walk. And I might say a prayer. I might sing a song. Lots of times I was just thinking and meditating about the things I was studying in Bible school. You know? And chewing over those things. And it'd take me an hour. It'd take me an hour, a good hour, to do my walk and just have some time of solitude. And I'd come back home. And you know what I did? I went back to bed. And I slept for an hour. That's how I made time for me. I couldn't get up an hour earlier and get my day started. But I could get up real early knowing that I won't go back to bed for an hour, then I can get up in time to get to the TV station and counsel and all, all those people and then go to Bible school and take all the classes we're taking. And then once we did that, you know, I would go off and I was working part-time. And then at the end of my job, I'd come home, we'd have supper, we'd do homework, and we'd go to bed and start all over again the next day. It sounds kind of crazy, but it was easy. Because God gave me the idea. Just get up at three. You know? And, and I could go back to bed. Knowing that I could go back to a bed for an hour was easy to get up an hour earlier. Anyhow, that's just kind of what we did. To take solitude seriously, we must deal with this noise that tries to come in. You know? And we've got to deal with that. So you've got to step out of the traffic. We, 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 we really do. Shall we not shut the door against earthly noise and find that once the noise is gone, God will roar? Can you imagine that? That God would roar. It's like, well, it's not just a teeny tiny still small voice, but God, he loves us, you know. And he wants to speak to us and communicate with us. And he said, be still and know that I am God. And he loves us. And his love is, is big and bold. And sometimes his, his love for us is loud. He tells us here in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 20. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. There's a time for solitude. The, the, the Lord is in his holy temple. And let what percentage of the earth? All the earth. 100% of the earth be silent before him. So what I want to challenge you to do right now, I want to challenge you to make a commitment. You all know commitment. I think you'll like this one. I want to challenge you to make a commitment to be from this day forward undercommitted. Did he say what I thought he said? I want you to make a commitment to be undercommitted. Make a Commitment to be undercommitted. I'm not saying to be uncommitted. That's not what I said. I said to be under 
committed. So if you're overcommitted financially, what happens? Get broke. <laughs> is, is being overcommitted financially a good thing? No. no. You go broke, you know, you lose stuff. I mean, it can be very, very difficult to be overcommitted financially. And I want to challenge you not to be overcommitted in all the other areas of your life when God is saying, I want you to step out of the traffic. I want you to climb up a mountain. I want you to make time for me. It's what he is telling us. And so I want you to look at your calendar. And I want you to make sure that there's lots of blank spaces in your calendar. You understand a blank space? That means you're going to do nothing, you know? So I want you to make sure there's no, uh, there's lots of blank spaces and, and stop saying it will slow down and when such and such and such happens, I'll do this and that. Let me just tell you what, it ain't going to slow down. I'm 67, I ain't slowed down yet, you know? It just seems to get busier, you know? And there's, there's more to do and there's, man, I mean, this is wonderful, but you know, you just can't wait for that one day, you know, to come. And downtime is where we, we become ourselves. And we're, we're just sitting and looking off maybe in just to the distance and laying on the grass or sitting on the porch or staring at the stars. But, but God's saying, be still. And know that I'm God and, and clarity will come. And you'll be able to see through lots of the other stuff that you, you've been just caught up in traffic. And the Lord says, I want you to step out of, step out of that and just take a long, loving look at, at me. That's what he says. And see, muddy water, and you see muddy water here, it becomes clear if you only let it sit still for a while. Even this right here, as muddy as it is, will become clear if you let it sit for a while. And some people who have times of solitude, it's easier to get clarity than those who never have solitude. So we need to begin being still. We need to learn how to be still and, and slow things down in our mind and take a step out of the traffic. And so the, the, all the, the muck in there can settle and you can begin to see through it and you're no longer confused and, and all. But just a couple more verses. I just want you to hear them to know that they're there and then we're going to have a baptism. Psalm 131, verse 2. But I have stilled and quieted myself. Did you hear that? Who's going to steal? The Lord says, be still and know that. Who's going to steal and quiet you? I am. You are. He says, but I have stilled and I've quieted myself. Just as a small child is quiet with his mother. Yes, like a small child. Is my soul within me? I, I have to, when he says be still, be still and know that I am God, I gotta, I gotta hike up the mountain. I gotta step out of the traffic. You know, I gotta throw the apron over my head. I gotta do that, my own self. Nobody's gonna do it for me. But he says, but I have stilled and quieted myself. Psalm 62, verse 1 and 2 says, I wait quietly before God, for my salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, where I will never be shaken. Never. 
be shaken. When we have quietness and solitude. Because he's telling us to have. And there's a whole lot more in the Bible about solitude and to be still and all. And the blessings that come along with it, they're genuinely yes. But that's as far as we're going to go here today. And I might have taken a couple of minutes more than I should have. Because I've learned how to make time for things that are important. But what I would like us to do, uh, you know there's only one qualification in order to be baptized in water? And that's just to know the Lord Jesus. To know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. That's it. That's the only qualification that is necessary. So I'd like us to pray right now and reaffirm our faith in Christ. Or maybe you're here with us today and maybe you've never declared your faith or maybe you're watching online and You've never declared your faith. So I'd like you to either reaffirm your faith with me right now or declare your faith in Christ for the first time. So we can bow our heads and if you would join me and we're going to pray together out loud. Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. And that's why you sent your son Jesus. And that's why you sent your son Jesus. And he gave his life for me. That he gave his life for me. Shed his blood. Shed his blood. To wash all my sins away. To wash all my sins away. Almighty God, I believe in you. Almighty God, I believe in you. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus. And I welcome Jesus. Into my life. Into my life. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. And as my King. And as my King. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 